Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Last week was such a good episode. If you missed our part one of this conversation, you're going to want to go back and listen to it. We dive into what it's like being a man in the culture of the Me Too movement. I brought on three of my guy friends to answer these questions, and they just laid it down. We talked about embracing women in this culture, and how can we do a better job of listening and acknowledging the pain of sexual assault. That episode meant so much to me because it's a personal story to me, you guys. I have been a victim of rape and sexual assault, and I have lived in shame for so many years because of it. I am absolutely so grateful for movements like Me Too because of the freedom from shame that can be had. I love that last week Chris Wolf said this. He said, The thing that's so important about what the Me Too movement is, is that you can share your story to allow others to have freedom. People need to know that there is freedom to be had. Oh, yes, amen. Thank you, Chris. This conversation more than ever needs to be had right now. And this week, I'm so incredibly excited to dive into another topic, the prevalent issue of masculinity in our culture. What does it really mean to be a man? Can men be vulnerable? What mass are men maybe living in sometimes? I think if we could better tackle these questions, and if we also seek to be the change in this area, we can then have richer and healthier relationships in our lives. The three guys this week are amazing guy friends who I honor and respect so, so much. They're not afraid to get vulnerable, cry sometimes, admit that they like pink and pumpkin spice lattes, and they have an immense amount of respect and honor towards women. Johan Kalilian is an incredibly vulnerable and compelling motivational speaker. Chris Wolf is an author and the founder of Good Guy Swag. And Ryan Gunnarsson is an actor and motivator with a heart for treating women well. Today, we dive into part two of this conversation, and it is so stellar. So I hope you enjoy as we talk about what it really means to be a man. I'm so glad we're touching on the topic, too, just of masculinity in our culture. And um, because I don't think we can talk about the topic of sexual abuse and Me Too movement without really addressing kind of what we are diving into right now, which is the socialization of men in our culture. And um, and I want to read just a few stats really quick on masculinity that I've acquired from various resources and documentaries and novels and, and I mean, books and everything. So right now in our culture, 80 per, 88% of all homicides are committed by men. Men in, men in the U.S. are six times more likely to commit suicide than someone else. All mass shooters since 1982, other than two, have been male. For boys, suicide is the most leading cause of death. 
ages 20 to 24, there is seven times more likely chance for suicide in boys, and 15 and 19, there's a five times more likely chance for suicide in boys. Just those stats alone to me are astounding, right? To think that there is something going on with masculinity. Um, And I think we've touched on it a bit, but men these days are in ways socialized within our culture to be tough, aggressive, dominating, to not ask for help, to not really have emotions. You guys kind of talked about this. How has this been a journey for you guys of just conquering this in your own life, kind of figuring out what mass you may live in. And Lewis House talks about that in his book. And what are some masks that you guys still struggle with even potentially, or you th- see a lot of men around you struggling with currently? Um, I, I know for me, um, even just the simplicity of, of communication has been something that, I mean, we didn't communicate that much in our family, not, not the stuff. I mean, we tried and, but we just never, that wasn't a thing that was like an example. Um, we did, I mean, if you, if, like you would know I loved you. I didn't actually have to say it out loud. That was kind of like, and, and obviously we did it. There are different moments where we did and stuff, but that's just kind of what I received and grew up in. And so learning how to be a man who's able to communicate and not only communicate, but communicate in that place of vulnerability was so scary and so foreign and so um, intimidating. Um, but I can tell, like, I know, I mean, one of my masks was always, like I mentioned before, um, performing, like making people think that I am way more awesome than I might be feeling that I am. Um, be like, fake it till you make it. We've all heard that. We've like laughed at that different ways. But that was my world. That was like, be Ryan Gunnarsson, fake it till you make it. Like, and then that would be whatever on my tombstone or something. But thank God that's not my truth anymore. Um, and that was my world. I mean, any anything I would do, I played football, I was a musician, I did all these different things. Um, I did not want anyone to know that I was actually just I felt like a scared little kid. Um, and so that's I mean, that I feel like a lot of men feel that they the need to perform to find worth. Right. Um, I'm and sure performing you guys in can, various ways, like you see the athletic or performing through financial means, like, you know, getting all the wealth yep. or performing. Or tap dancing. Right. Uh, hey, right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or like the sexual mask of like, how many girls can I hook up with? Or, you know, and that's just, a, you know, generalized cultural thing. But there's so many masks. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not exclusive to men. Women live in masks, too. Um, I totally relate to everything you're saying, Ryan, too. As a three on the Enneagram, if you read the description, it's all about like, okay, what mask can I wear right now so Mm -hmm. that you'll like me? What else can I do so that you'll approve of what I'm doing and see my amazing accolades, right? And so that's something even as a woman I've had to personally work through of like, okay, how can I be truly myself and show that sometimes it's a little messy and still love myself and not feel shame and not feel like low self-worth just because someone finds out of a mistake I made or a Mm -hmm. blemish in my past, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was the most uh, put together person you probably could have met. Didn't even know there was a, a a dirty corner in my house type of thing. Like metaphorically speaking, there's mm-hmm. lots of dirty corners <laughs> in my house. Uh, plenty of them. <laughs> yes, plenty. Um, and that that was the way I survived. Yeah. I mean, I, I was my life was a masquerade ball. I would just flip, put on a different mask, depending who where I was, different group. I was a different person. Um, 
you know, I'm sure you guys can speak to a lot of different. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when I finally came forth with my story and just talk, talking about, you know, even being suicidal, so many people that I knew from high school were like, I had no idea. And that's just because like I painted such a, a, a crisp picture of myself on the outside. I mean, you know, we're just even talking about working out. I think a lot of that stemmed from the fact that I felt so weak on the inside. I at least needed to demonstrate something on the outside, mm -hmm. you know? Mm. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think uh, a big key with, with um, masculinity and I, this is, I love just kind of deconstructing all of what masculinity might be in the U S and beyond just uh, even through the website. But I, I think it's always good to kind of look back and find the history behind stuff. I mean, you know, we talk about like the, the color blue being for a boy and pink being for a girl. Um, I mean, that, that was all created through a marketing scheme, you mm -hmm. know, like before that, actually, if you look back in the early 1900s, um, pink was actually the accepted color for, for boys and blue was actually the accepted color for girls because it represented the Virgin Mary. So I, I really love just kind of like divulging and kind of finding out like what happened in these times where we had things at the French Revolution and you had the World Wars happen and you had the Great Depression and you, you had the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, somewhere right smack in the middle of that, you had this whole thing called the Great Male Renunciation, where it was basically like guys were saying, I, we're no longer going to wear colorful clothes anymore. We're no longer going to be, you know. Um, creatively free, but we're going to wear it black and white and we're going to wear it and which is our tux and our suit today. Mm. We still follow those rules that were created not that long ago Yeah, the, because that was in the awesome. early 1900s yeah. when, when, when that kind of was established. So, um, it, but before that, let's just be honest, like guys wore like prettier dresses than girls. Guys wore heels, by the way, men created heels. So, you know, you kind of think about these things and it kind of gives you a little bit more freedom to be like, you know what? Guess what? I'm going to Starbucks today and I'm getting a pumpkin spice latte because that's what I want. Yeah. Hey, there's right. nothing wrong with that, by the way. <laughs> pumpkin and I, scones. I, and I brought pumpkin now. scones tonight, yeah. by the way. <laughs> it's so I, true. Um, I think even even the nature of a mask is kind of is pretty interesting to me. Um, and I, I've been trying to find a word that sort of encompasses how, one of the things I've become enlightened to recently where I feel like there's certain areas of in my life where I show up courageously. And then there's these other spots where I'm a complete coward. Hmm. You know, there's certain spots where I'm very confident. And then there's these other portions of my life where I'm very insecure. And so the mask for me is allowing my life to be defined by only the these positive things that I show up as, hmm. right? And instead of because like I, I like I said, is like I think that is the mask, right? It's like wanting to be defined by only positive attributes. And I think we all fall into that. It's like whatever we're going to be praised for, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. But in reality, that's the mask. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the Instagram filter. Line, right. 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 That's the, the perfectly curated self where people are like, oh, Johan is a great speaker or Johan is so confident or that like and it's all the good things. But in reality, all it is, is it's just a, a version of me right. because there's this there's this other portion of me that guys like some people don't you don't want to hear about or, mm -hmm. you know, but but that's what I've chosen to say. Well, I'm going to talk about these things, because as I take off the mask, you're going to see somebody who's not as attractive as you think. 
Mm -hmm. um, somebody who has, you know, a little bit more complexity than, like I said, like to be somebody who had a platform for a long time and then say, and then I messed up, right? Like there's two things going on there. There's dichotomy. There's believing. I, I still believe what I believe that that carried me through a large portion of life, you know, and then I did this thing that went against it. Both of those things are me. And allowing that to be true as I take off the mask and be seen for truly who I am. Mm. And how beautiful now for your story, the opportunity to boast in your weakness. Right. Like Jesus can show up. Right. You know? And still talk about abstinence. I, yes. By the way, I love that you, you still do that. That's yes. So I'm so inspired by Well, by now my topic that. is leadership, actually. So, I mean, I, I, I more so, you know, that's that's what I talk about in, in schools and um, and things like that. But, you know, I've been on this journey personally of where do I where do I stand now? You know, and I've talked to you a little bit about yeah. it. And I'll be real with you guys. You know, even as we talk about vulnerability for for a while, I just lost hope. Like I'm like, I I understand and it's and it's great ideal. Um, there was a portion of me that's like I just I feel like I've moved past it and and I'm not gonna get married. So, like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. And like all these ideas that started to like rustle around in my mind, um, that really weighed me down. You know that. And so this is kind of like the hope in the midst of it. And I love how God works. Is, um. Now, I don't know if this will work out, but I recently met a girl who restored this hope. Now, we haven't even gotten on our first date yet, but like she agreed to our first date. And, and <laughs> <laughs> but, but hey, 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 right. I know. And then it's like, exactly. But but what, even because even that, like, I think yeah. that's the thing is like, I can't say the name publicly. But uh, but even like this what's is the thing. Is, <laughs> um, yes. We're not letting you go. Right, right, right. Talk I, about it all day. <laughs> I think part of part of what what's been beautiful for me is how God has restored that hope within her, just her presence. You know what I mean? And like I said, haven't been on a first date. Um, but how powerful it is to restore this part of me that had died. Because I, I hadn't seen or experienced someone who I thought or felt I could build a life with. You know what I mean? And I came and I interacted with this person who I was like, wow, for the first time in years, there was like a vision for like God's design in in marriage and things like that and i know that sounds crazy because we haven't even been on a first date mm -hmm. but it's it is it's just crazy you know and, and i think it is it's, that's what it is it's like god just he like planted this thing in me to be like it's your story's not over mm -hmm. you know what i mean like your story's still it's still going and you went through this dark season and now like i honestly feel you know now I'm I'm coming out of it and I can see why I went through some of the pain and suffering that I've been going through for the last two years mm -hmm. um, to be able to to share and be a voice. And also, I think, to come to grips with certain parts of who I was that was rooted in my ego mm. and not in God's spirit. Mm. Yeah, just to encourage you, Johanna, and a lot of others who probably feel the same way of lost hope and whatnot. Um, which you can hear this a lot more in detail in our podcast that yeah, we did before yep. um, with uh, my wife and I. Um, but I actually, when I met her, literally the first night, I was like, that, that if it's not my wife, that's somebody who's very similar to my wife. Hmm. 
And it didn't put pressure on her. I never told her that until right, way later. Right, I know. That's why I'm like, I can't say stuff like that. <laughs> so she can't listen to this podcast. <laughs> but the beauty well, is... No, yeah. you can keep this podcast and you can give it to her. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think even to free you and her up is like, that's just a, that's an honor for her to know that, hey, she's somebody worthy of being being desired in that way mm-hmm. and whether that's you or someone else like right. we can release that like right, just right. any pressure right, i just go. release no that right gone, now it's gone. yeah Jesus. yeah thank you thank you but the truth is like you saw a vision yeah. of what you've wanted your whole life and and whether she's it or not like i don't know how much that matters i think what matters is like you found hope jesus like brought to you hope through somebody right. on earth and he does yeah. it all the time kingdom met earth it's called kairos moment and that's what happened you you like you were healed and things started moving. Things started working in your heart. You we're like, wow, I could actually hope again. Dude, so just I'm to bring you, you life like, and bring look, others. So I'll t- I'm going to share another portion of the story. I know we're probably running short on time. <laughs> no, I love Is that it. okay? More questions. Keep so going. here's the thing. Yeah. So um, basically, we went through this kind of like leadership seminar, life transformation thing. And on the last day, one of the challenges that we were giving in the seminar was take a relational risk on somebody. Right. So my heart of hearts was like, I got to tell her. You know what I mean? Like, I got to tell her how I feel. I got to. And but the thing was that the first two days I experienced her um, in a way that communicated to me. It's like, oh, she's digging me. But then in the last two days, there was a little bit more uncertainty. And I was like, maybe I'm reading into things like I feel like maybe she just wants to be friends. Like she was dropping these things where it's like, you don't know. And I know that we all do that. Right. Like when you're single and you're trying to figure out, is this it? So on the last day. I started to communicate like here's how I'm feeling and like I I started going through everything and then we were interrupted by somebody. (laughs) So yeah, like no, 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 another guy (laughs) and he was like, "Hey, girl, let me tell you something." Like I, (laughs) you're like step out of my right. And then, um, so then what I experienced was she kept asking that person questions, right? So I was like. Well, she already like has heard me start sharing my heart. And it seems like now she's not letting this person leave. You know what I mean? I'm like, maybe this is her way of saying like in an indirect way. "Mm, I appreciate that, but I'm not really digging you. You know what I mean? (laughs) So that's kind of the way that I interpreted it. And I kind of just slipped out of the conversation. And I went to I had another meeting that I had to go to. And I decided the next day I was going to send her a Facebook message. I sent her this Facebook message, and, and, and I'll once again, long story short, with the Facebook message. But I, I basically communicated, "Hey, thank you for restoring my hope." But I get it. Like I kind of let her off the hook in the message. I was like, "Thank you for restoring my hope," but I get it. Like I'm gonna move on. You don't have to tell me no, you know. And she responded, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" She's like, first of all, thanks for the encouragement, but." Um, Try again. You know what I mean? When girls get nervous, I do that. Yo. I'm like, oh my gosh, let me just, this new person is here. Let me <laughs> ask them all the questions right. because I'm so nervous. And that is, I can't even look at the other person. It's a, it's a nerve thing. She was nervous. Right. Before. I don't know what it was, but then I came correct the next time. And I told her, I was like, you know, okay, this is, this is what I really want to say. And then mm-hmm. she was like, okay, yes, I'll go out on a date with you. Boom. So boom, there it is. Right. <laughs> That's well, a, an amazing story, you know. <laughs> I, well, I mean, but I think that's a, you bring up such a great point too, because rejection is why we wear masks. I mean, yeah, it, it goes exactly. back to the fear that we were talking about right. earlier, mm-hmm. and um, and and yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's funny right now. Even on my website, I'm going back and forth with this guy who's basically just said that he's just given up on the hope of ever finding a wife, and he's given up on 
on dating. And I, I kind of just said, you know, um, that, it, that it's actually good to experience rejection over and over. Mm-hmm. And he didn't agree with my analogy, but I basically was just saying like, I, I was always scared of rejection. I was always yeah. scared of putting myself out there. I think being in the fact that I've been in sales and stuff like that helped me to get over rejection. He said, well, that's not a good analogy because dating and sales have nothing to do with rejection. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, absolutely. It's very true. different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very different. I hope they do. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Interest, exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> but what was important is my acceptance of myself and right, rejection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and by accepting the fact that I could get rejection, that I could move on, that I could be successful you know, gave me the impetus to, cause you know, I had asked my wife out like five times and she kept on rejecting me over and over. And finally I just <laughs> said like, I'm taking you out. We're going to go out this Monday or Wednesday. You choose, you know, to finally just like to, to. Right. Well, cause you know, and I guess that's the fascinating thing. Cause as we talk about the me too movement stuff, yeah. right. As I've thought about it and thought about it, like we're taught that like you stay consistent and keep pursuing. Right. Mm-hmm. There's that part of me. It's like, is that Right. Like, is that okay to basically inform? And I'm saying it worked out for you. Like you, she became your wife. You know what I mean? But there's this portion of me that's like, are, am I imposing? So that's kind of why I took the route that I took was like, Hey, I get it. Like, okay. I don't, you know, you don't have to say no. Like, I don't want to be careful about this. Right. I want to be super. And that's, I think part of what it's created in me as we talk about me too movement, like real life, what is it doing to me? It's like, now I'm like extra super cautious. Like I don't want to yeah. impose my will in any way, shape or form on a woman. Now, obviously it's like, I want to also maintain um, the strength that I have as a man. That's not about physicality, but I think that the gifts and, and talents that I bring to the table, you know? So it's like this tough balance of how do we stay true to who we are without I think with extricating some of the toxicity of the past, you know, because it's not yeah. just a physical problem. There's all these things that come into play as we impose our way on women, you know. Well, well let's I think we should map that out right now, because, you know, I, mm. I, I was just reading recently about how Henry Cavill, a.k.a. Superman, who's stepping down to Superman, by the mm-hmm. way, how Henry Cavill kind of got some flack because he basically just said that Me Too movement has kept him from actually feeling free to go up and talk to girls, which I don't I don't. I yeah, get that because I mean he's super right, man, you know. Right, but um, but I I think that's something that we should address for all the the yeah. male listeners right now. Um, I don't, what, what were your thoughts? Did you have any thoughts on it, Ryan? Keep going, man. I, <laughs> yeah, I think you're nailing it. I mean, I I think that that uh that there are some you know we it's not that we need to tear down every construct. I think there's some constructs that are in place that are good. I think it's it's good for a man to pursue a woman for dating. I think it's good for a man to be consistent asking her out. I think we have to be aware that we're talking like apples and oranges here. You know, mm-hmm. sexual assault is not the same thing as asking a girl out. And so let's just make that really clear. Just if, if, if the Henry Cavill interview or whatever, like clouded that water, we're talking two completely different things. Yes. Girls still want to be pursued. No girls do not want to be sexually assaulted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And I think something you guys are bringing up though about rejection is so important. And Ryan, you said this on, like in our joint interview with Aquila about in asking women out, because I think there is a fear of rejection overall, especially when we're talking about dating, but that there is such a beautiful release to be had when you can say this, no matter what the outcome is, I'm submitting it to God and it does not affect my identity whatsoever. If this Mm -hmm. woman says no, right. Right. Um, And I think that there's a level of like getting a yes is so like 
it like can sometimes seep too far into of our course. identity and our ego potentially. And I think being able to receive a no gracefully is so powerful and important. And it doesn't mean, okay, you received a no, then don't date for a while and just be super discouraged. Like, no, right. it's okay. No, exactly. Yeah, I think I think the, uh, to be honest, I think we have to start with the big yes. And to me, the big yes is like, God thinks you're awesome. Yeah. And that's like, if that's not like a part of your core truth, core belief, rejection is going to take you out and it's going to continue to take you out. And if you don't, I mean, I think the gospel is actually really simple. Like it's like the, to break it down into three words, it's, it's something I've, I've learned over the years is like calling it from not for. So we can literally live from our identity in Christ, from purity, from being accepted in Christ instead of for it, which I mean, living for it, like you just have to keep trying over and over and over and hopefully I'll get it someday. But you've already got it. We've already got it. I'm preaching the gospel now, but we already have what Bring the gospel what the, what we need. And I think the simplest of all of this is, is God as good as he says he is? If he isn't, then I'd start worrying. But if he is and work that out in your own heart, like, I mean, for me, I, I found out that God was as good as he says he is. And I could wait for my wife and when I when she came along, I knew that like she was the one, but I also could just totally give her a gift, like we we mentioned in the mm-hmm. other podcast of telling her my feelings and then with no strings attached, just let go and be like, All right, I'm good. If you say no, I'm I'm right. I'm actually good because God's already said I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good too. That's I mean that's a paradigm shift because we Your have princess this- is calling. By yeah, the way. yeah, that's my wife. My, my <laughs> princess is calling right now. <laughs> I oh, was her okay. prince, and then I think she got mad at me for a little bit, and I, I looked on her phone one day, and I was like, why does it say Chris is... Why does oh, Chris is like, that's how you know you're in a doghouse, huh? I your name you changes. This, and I hope I get changed the back The contact name changes. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but back to what Ryan was saying, it, it's a paradigm shift, because we live by this paradigm that says, like, have to be. Like, we think, like, oh, once I, I have the car, once I have the money, right. once I have the right clothes, once I have the muscles... Then I can do the things, and then I can, you know, finally be the person I'm supposed to be. But in, in reality, it's the other way around. That it's be, do, have. Once we can recognize ourselves, understand our identity in Christ, then we'll 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 do the things that are that that's on our heart. We'll do our calling. We won't be afraid to pursue it, and then we can we'll, we'll have the the great things God has planned for us because of that. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Friends, okay. So what I love about podcasting is the ability to have important conversations that are not readily had. So if you want to dive in further to this topic, I want to recommend some resources for you. Please watch the We Are Man Enough series at www.wearemanenough.com. It's headed by the awesome Justin Baldoni. And also his TED Talk, I Am Done Being Man Enough, is phenomenal. I also love Lewis Howe's book, The Mass of Masculinity. And I also really love the book Divine Sex by Jonathan Krant that talks about the hypersexualization of our culture. Lastly, I love the documentary The Mass You Live In, which is available on Netflix. Are you guys feeling riveted by this conversation or what? I certainly am. Okay, so in the land of podcasting, you must be thinking, why do you hear so many podcasters asking for rankings and reviews? What is that all about? Well, I'm here to tell you, we all ask about it because it truly, truly helps us. It has, it's really part of how we get discovered and it can continue to spread the goodness and help us to do what we love to do, which is bringing you these episodes. So I want to ask you today, if you've not written us a review, would you consider doing that? 
you can go to the main page of Heart of Dating Podcast on the Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your phone. Scroll to the bottom where you see the stars and then hit the box that says write a review. Please, please, please. It would mean so much to us. Okay, lastly, I'm thrilled to let you know we're putting on a Heart of Dating soiree here in Los Angeles. Woo! It's going to be on November 3rd, and we will have a panel of past Heart of Dating guests. It's going to be so much fun. It'll be a great time to meet some stellar singles or meet just some awesome people in general. We'll be having wine sponsored by the amazing Bev of at DrinkBev on Instagram. To get your tickets, you can go to eventbrite.com and type in Heart of Dating to find our event. The tickets aren't expensive, and there will be wine and a bunch of eligible people. So I hope to see you there. Okay, hard question. I know we're going to have to wrap up here, and this is just so incredible, you guys. I don't really want to wrap up, but I want to ask you guys this. So what are some of the ways you see Christian men maybe misusing their power over women, especially in relationships? Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll actually today. start off yeah. because, I, I, I mean, I remember when I was in college, I would sit around and, and we would have conversations, all of us as guys, and we would basically just talk about like, yeah, I'm going to marry a virgin, you know? Mm. And, and you don't hear that outside of Christianity. That's something that we put upon ourselves. And, mm-hmm. um, and it, 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 it kind of like, I think like every time I heard that in my mind back then, it, it would always reinforce to me, like, I'm not, I'm not good enough because mm-hmm. I've, I've been sexually abused. So I don't, you know, I remember right. I would stand up in front of youth groups. And I remember one time, like, they had us pass the, the mic around and say if we're virgins or not. And I remember it got to me and, you know, and I was a virgin, but like, I almost like, like almost just started like, I, I want to get out of here right now. I feel like mm. I'm just going to like wow. burst out because I'm not a virgin because I was sexually abused as a child, you know? So I think that, that that's one way that I've seen it. I don't know if you all hear this today. I just remember hearing this when I was in college and um, and I would just always kind of push back against them. I'd be like, "Well, have you not done anything wrong?" Mm. Um, and you know, it's kind of interesting too because I never thought that I, you know, it, it's so funny because I always kind of preached against that that line of thinking. Mm. Um, because once again, like I said, I was like, "I'm I'm not going to marry a virgin because I'm not a virgin," and I felt so much shame about what had happened to me. And just in an ironic s- s- sort of circumstances, I, I'm the only one of that group of friends that actually married a virgin. So mm, go go figure how you know God has some some humor in that. But um, but anyway, that that's like a, a thing that I've seen that you know men hold power that they kind of expect um, Christian girls to be perfect and to fit into mm. this box and paradigm of what a Christian woman oh, is supposed gosh. to be like. Thank you for saying that. I'm just going to say one thing. I did this whole response online about this article that was written that was titled, Men Prefer Debt-Free Virgins Without Tattoos. And it was written by a woman, but it was like one of the most frustrating things to me. And just I totally took a stand up against that because it kind of plays into exactly <clears throat> what you're saying. Um, and it just it's very it, – it made me so distraught. And I even love, Chris, that you brought up the point of like – how we have to be really careful, even in the whole purity movement with how that's framed up, because I don't think that all of that is bad. I just think we have to be careful Not about to shame yes, very careful. Mm-hmm. because that's what it did for you. Like you felt shame deep down because you're passing the mic around and people are being put on the spot. Like what if a guy in the room was like, uh, no, I have messed up. Like would everyone just be like, oh man, like but that's a natural that person. Yeah, it's a natural outworking of celebrating people who are pure. 
right. you know what I mean? So then the other person is not pure. So then, right? It's like this weird mm-hmm. sort of environment yep. that's created. You're not a star-bellied sneak. <laughs> Sorry, I, just had to, <laughs> I read this to my daughter. So it's um, <laughs> <laughs> on my top of my mind. <laughs> um, so I think what's interesting about the question to me, you know, what we do quickly when we hear um, how we misuse power is we move to a negative understanding of it, right? Where it's like, we do these bad things and that's us misusing power. Instead of like, if we understood that we all had superpowers and we're, we actually weren't using them, that's a misuse of power. Mm-hmm. Like we're not putting into action the powers that we have. Mm. And I would say that's the greatest way that Christian men are misusing their power is that they're not showing up in power. Mm. We're showing up sort of like checked out, right? Like abdicating our authority here on earth and and more so buying into cultural ideals of what it means to be a man as opposed to like we talked about, like if it, if Jesus is the ideal of what it means to be a man, like how are we showing up in the ways that Christ did in ways that are subversive? you know, in the ways where he is calling out sort of like the lies of culture and in the ways where he's being very compassionate to the people who are the most broken, you know, where he's he's crying over the pain in the world, mm-hmm. you know, where he's flipping over tables where there's injustice, right? Like we've misused a lot of our power. And I mm-hmm. think it's because we don't show up in those ways in culture. Mm-hmm. Also, I think to that point, like we brought this up earlier in discussion, but if the greatest picture of what masculinity should look like is Jesus, why do we sometimes solely focus on specific qualities of Jesus and not the whole quality of him as a person? Um, And that also means that if Jesus is strong and like women can also be strong, right? right? And if Jesus can weep and have emotion men can also weep and have emotion. Mm -hmm. It's the same, right? And like men and women actually in the way we overlap in the arc, like are very much more similar than we actually are dissimilar. And we like to focus on the hyper silos of either side of that. But if you look at the arc of like what, like the creation, like we're actually more similar. Well, I think, well, this is to me part of the dilemma and this may, you know, people may define me as a heretic because of it, but I I do think there's a divine feminine spirit as well, right? Like, I think part of where this toxicity comes from is, like, we define God as only male. Hmm. And I don't think God the Father has male genitalia. Like, I'm sorry, I'll say it on air, but I I don't think that's a a real thing. So the fact that a lot of our thinking is God is a man, like, really perpetuates a lot of these problems that we have. Well, um, I think what's important to point out, too, and it goes along with Jesus, too. And, I, you know, I actually devoted like a whole chapter to this in, in this book I wrote called Ten Ways to Win a Girl's Heart, which is about pursuing. But, you know, God encompasses both qualities of the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm, exactly. And we have to recognize that. Right. That's but a lot important. of people don't, though. That's what I'm saying. No. It's like the way that we talk about God is important. And I think people only talk about God as a man, you know. And the masculine. And the masculine, right. Instead of saying, like, there's both, like, there is that dichotomy that exists. Yeah. I mean, we, which I think it's so important that we talk about, you know, God being a father in the sense that um, a lot of people haven't had present fathers. And and so to have someone who's a good father is something that so many of us need. I mean, you look at the percentage of absent fathers, whether it be physically absent or mentally absent, Mm. it's just, it's, it's off the charts. But uh, but I think from that perspective, it, it 
like I think sometimes people need God the Father. But, you know, you also think about all these other characteristics of God that are listed throughout the Bible, and uh, and you will find a nurturing God. Right. A nurturing mm-hmm. God who really cares about the smallest detail, your hair, smallest detail of your life. That's like, I'm a good father in the sense that I also can care for you like the greatest mother on the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing is I think we show up in all the ways that we need to when we possess a little bit of both, sort of like the, the characteristics and traits that are both. Yeah. But I think we lose our essence and we misuse our power when we're only trying to lean on one end mm-hmm. of who we really are, you know? So that's where this world is what it is, is because a lot of men have only, I think, bought into like a a vicious idea of what it is to be a man, but only focused on the masculine spirit. Mm -hmm. What if we created a thing called man night where we just like bring all like the feminine qualities of Jesus and we're just like, now we're going to wash each other's feet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And paint each other's nails. (laughs) That's what they did too. I'm sure. He's like, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to paint your nails. Peter, you got some crusty hey, toenails. Johan's baking some bread for us. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Some banana bread. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, you guys. So as we wrap up this conversation, especially on the masculinity sense, so what do you guys think and what would be your last nugget of advice for men on what you think they can do in relationships specifically? Because I always ask, like, my final question is, what is your final nugget of dating advice? But I want to know, like, what is the final nugget of dating, like, advice or relationship advice for men so big such a big question Just who wants to go first should we know? go with the married Fairy. guys first and then the single guy <laughs> we ready we <laughs> ready. ready let's go since i, I talked about I, which by the way that was in in another the first chapter of that that book 10 ways to win a girl's heart is just about being so I, I think so often we we kind of like put on these masks like we talked about from the beginning right. or we have these like things like I have to have these things checked off before I can engage. The problem is, is that when we come forth with this act of a person of who we are, that doesn't provide a good basis for the relationship ultimately because all that facade is going to without a doubt come crumbling down. Right. So I just advocate staying strong and just being like be willing to be accepted i mean rejected or accepted for who you truly are and and walk away confidently if you're being rejected when you're truly living from your heart because Mm -hmm. that only that alone will will be the basis of a good relationship Mm -hmm. yeah i think uh the the simple truth for everyone in the world is that we've all felt pain and a lot of us haven't face that pain and, and dealt with that pain. Um, and I'd say if any way possible, especially as men, we, we can be more aggressive and can be more scary and can be more X, Y, Z, you fill in the, fill in the blank. Um, we need to deal with that. We need to deal with that pain. And that's, that's the only way we're going to move forward with, with, uh, the boldness that we've been talking about. There's, there's a lot of pain that's just like affecting everything we do whether we know it or not. And we need to deal with that, whether that's go to, you know, a therapist or talk to a friend or someone you trust, um, or the, or the father in the sky who I see as a large black woman. I, Mr. Paul Young. Yeah. To be honest, that, I mean, that changed everything for me. I was like, Oh my gosh, that is wonderful. It's like every, I was like, thank you. Somebody who gets me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I was crying like a, baby everyone was everyone was Mm. (laughs) 
Got to clean out the corners of the house with the boxes. That's Boom. the truth. That's well said. That's that's the gist. Um, so I was going to go with a little like a version of what you guys um, said, but I'm, I'm going to switch it up since you guys already said some variations of what my original thought was. And, um, you know, there's this notion that you put your best foot forward. And I know that that's a cliche that many people use. And I think we use it in dating, but oftentimes it's it's connected to only showing this person the best version of yourself. You know, like mm. the best foot forward is like, I, I always have to come through and I have to be perceived and seen as a certain type of person. I have a married friend who um, gave me this really life-changing piece of wisdom. And he said that what you want to see when you're dating someone is the worst of them. Mm. Because what you have to ask yourself is, do I want to live the rest of my life with that person? And and that's what that's what you're getting yourself into with marriage. You're not getting yourself into a situation where this person is always going to have their best foot forward because mm -hmm. that's just not the case. Um, life will serve up some tough times. Mm -hmm. And if you cannot love this person through the difficult, ugly, you know, torrential moments, then walk away. Mm -hmm. But if you see them at their worst and you can say, I want to love her, I want to love him forever, even at their worst, then push forward. I love, I love that. That's beautiful. And, and by the way, too, that the whole story about putting your, your best foot forward, that, that came from, you know, when it would be customary to put your fo foot forward and, and bow down. So mm -hmm. I think that we've like made it like your best foot forward. Right, like exactly. You better have your Louboutins on. Yeah, exactly. Foot. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think we change things all the <laughs> time, right? Yeah, we right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you better have your Louis B on. <laughs> Let's go. I see them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all with our socks on. Like, <laughs> but really putting your best foot forward is, is being humble. Yeah, you know, right. But like I said, I think we lose the, yeah, the yeah. essence of a thing, of right? What it, where it came right. from? Where it came from? Mm. Okay, you guys, this has been amazing. I'm, I'm like just in awe right now. I can't wait for everyone to hear this episode and just be so touched by all the richness from everything we discussed, all the way from the Me Too movement to masculinity to how we can step up as men, how we can encourage the men around us, how we can be supportive of the women in our lives and how we can listen more, how we can love more sacrificially, how we can take off the mask that we're living in and walk in freedom and boldness. So just thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you for sharing your hearts, for being vulnerable with each other and everyone listening. And I just appreciate you all so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Kate. I just saw my wife wants me to pick up some Chick-fil-A before I get home. Oh, you better Lord. do that. Should we have a tickle fest now? Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, uh, very vulnerable tickle fest. We're all barefoot right now. There you go. So, you know. We're going to start with your head. Hey, let's go. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. You're the best. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this incredibly vulnerable and raw two-part conversation on sexual assault, how men can truly be good men in our society, and what it really means to even be a man. These three guys that I had on really embrace what it means to be men who have a heart for change, who will not stand for the status quo, who have wrestled with and figured out who they are as men, and who have in the process dove into some really tough situations from their past. I hope you guys leave today feeling encouraged and hopeful, but most of all, I hope you feel challenged. Whether or not you agree with everything today is totally okay. That's not the point. My point is to start a conversation to challenge previous mindsets we've created and to craft a new narrative. 
Also, for anyone listening that encounters a man who is vulnerable, can we all please do our best to embrace that person to our fullest? Shutting down vulnerability will only perpetuate this cycle. So let's work together to fix this problem, challenge the narrative, and rewrite the scripts for our future. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heart of dating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends.